Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello, everybody. At Campbell, I often do that with kids. I go, hello. Okay, so we're going to start with the scripture. And I'm going to ask my daughter, Meg, who's also a camp veteran, to come and read the word. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. Uh, Today's Bible reading is from Isaiah 40, uh, verses 28 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well done, Meg. It's all right, eh? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here today to share. It's a great honour. So today we are going to be sharing some thoughts for those of us going on camp to bless these children, to cherish them and to show them the, the love of Christ, to be examples to them of the grace and mercy of God and to really sort of, I guess, uh, shine a light on the fact that there's a hope and a future for them. But that is all true for all of us. So, you know, if you are thinking like, okay, I'm not going to camp, so I'll, I'll just tune out. Wrong. This is for you as well. So open your ears and your hearts, I pray. So I want to talk to you a little bit about music. My family love my taste in music. <laughs> they do. They, they, they can't get enough of what I like. And when we go on little road trips together, we went on recently, we get the little, the little white charger cable. That's what it's called, isn't it? And you, we argue over whose phone gets plugged in and they just can't wait for me to plug my phone in. Look at them thinking, how can he lie like that? <laughs> it's true. It's true. They all like different stuff, like, K-pop, different things. But they really love me banging out the Eagles and the ELO and the Dire Straits. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, it's true. And when it comes to Christian music, it's it's more or less the same. Look, look for my wife, it really starts and ends with Phil Wickham. Like, Phil Wickham is, he's up there, right? Like, he's just great songs. And he's always coming out with new stuff, like always. And if it's if it's out there, as soon as it drops, my wife has it downloaded on the phone. And come and hear the latest. Honestly, though, the guy could probably sing Leviticus and my wife would love <laughs> Phil Wickham. <laughs> Seriously, though, she loves Phil Wickham. <laughs> and other stuff. I, I, I kind of grew up with Petra and uh, Keith Green. See, the oldies are, come on. Young years are going, who's that? <laughs> Michael W. Smith. There's a good doco on Netflix called Jesus Music. I think it's called that. That follows all of them. It's really good. Farrell and Farrell. Remember the Farrell and Farrell? Okay. No. There was a guy called Phil Driscoll. Yeah. See? Anyone heard of Joe Cocker? Right. Imagine if Joe Cocker got saved and played the trumpet really well. Phil Driscoll. And right when I was really coming to a serious faith in Christ, so like my late teens, early 20s, Phil Driscoll was the man. Right, and we used to use these things called cassettes. Right. I can't even say old CDs because you know what you say. Before we streamed, we had CDs. Before that, we had cassettes. Before that, we had LPs, like big black CDs. Okay. And I used to have a cassette of this this Phil Driscoll album. It was called I Exalt Thee. Right, and he used to play the trumpet. He was magnificent, and he would sing like really croaky. My kind of music. If you heard me down the front today, I apologise if you're standing in front of me. That's how I sing. 
And one of the songs on this album was um, a man reading, well, Phil reading from this verse. That even the young men will get weary, but they'll mount up on wings as eagles. And then he'd play the trumpet. And I'll put it on every night before I went to bed. And it would, I would just drift off and it would really calm me and center me because at that age I was, I was all over the place. And it really spoke to me. And I, and I used to think all, a lot of times I would think oh, it was his voice because we sing the same. And it's a trumpet. But really, really, it was the words because those words have stayed with me all of my life. And I'm sure you've probably all heard sermons from this passage before or read it before or studied it before. It's not a reason not to revisit it. In fact, we should visit it a lot. So I want to, I want to talk a bit from this. So the passage of time between Isaiah 39 and 40 is considered to be around about 150 years. And then the historical background of this next section of Isaiah, so 40 through to 66, so does everyone know what passage we're in? It's Isaiah 40. Is when the, the Babylonian exile and then the post-exilic period, so they got out of exile, that's that period. All right. So those those twenty six chapters are referred to as the Book of Consolation by some scholars, or, or as the heart of the Old Testament. So historical background: Israel had been in exile and getting mistreated, and they got out of exile, and they were tired, they were weary. Can anyone relate? <laughs> they were exhausted, right? There was a general, like individually, personally, in the families, but also as a nation, they were stuffed. All right, and that's where this passage comes in. I can really kind of relate. Every year we sort of lead into Christmas and for some people, I promise my wife wouldn't use them, but man, she can't wait to get the Christmas tree out <laughs> and decorate the house. And we always said every year, I'm like, it's so early. Why? Because I'm the Grinch. I, I kind of do. No, I love Christmas, but I, I look forward to December with a little bit of trepidation because there's a lot of things going on. At work, it's all busy, busy, busy. And like everyone who wants everything before Christmas and, and for myself, I'm, particularly my role, I'm organising Christmas holidays for like 200 people. They, everyone at the last minute wants to change something. So I can see them coming in my office. I'm like, no, not another one. And I know that's going to be stressful. And plus we're organising Christmas parties and, and then every weekend we're not free. You know, we've either got our friends doing with Chris Kringle or we're going to a carol service and, and it's all good, but it's just on and on and on. And I feel like you get to Christmas and you're <laughs> Exhausted, and so because of that, I have a favourite carol. These guys know it's Old Holy Night. Who loves Old Holy Night? There's a magnificent line in this carol. It says, "A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn." Fall on your knees, you know that one. Okay, I think that is a magnificent truth. A weary world, right? So beyond the Christmas time, beyond what's going on at work or in your life and the various challenges that we face beyond camp. The world is tired. The world is weary and the world needs Christ. So isn't that make, what a great carol. That, that's always the best. That's really good when Sylvie Palladino sings it too because she means it. You know, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and – just to, for those not at camp, I apologise, but for those at camp, to bring it back to that, I, I have this thing I, I love to do on the Wednesday morning. I like to look across the breakfast tables for what I call the Wednesday stare. And it's usually people who might be their first camp, but it could be others. And they're sitting there at the breakfast table and they're looking right at you, but they're looking right through you. <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> and there's like a meeting with cereal, but there's nothing happening. <laughs> 
And it's at that moment, at that moment, that we need truths like this. We, we need it to hit home. If I can, without going into too much sort of deep theological detail, which is not a bad thing, this is a, in, a, in a version of Hebrew poetry. This is a poem. And there are lots of different versions of Hebrew poetry, which I'm not going to go through, but there's, it, I encourage you to study. It's very interesting. And they use a lot of different sort of rules and styles with their poetry. And there's couplets and there's parallelisms and all sorts of things. Like they might say, this is a big room. Indeed, it is very large. That's the kind of style of, of various poetries. This passage, in my humble opinion, it's kind of weird. If I had written it, I would have written it the other way around. Probably why I didn't write it. But let me explain it to you this way. If, if I had written it, and, and in the form of what I understand most Hebrew poetry is, I would have said, they will walk and not go faint, and they will run and not go weary, and then they'll mount up on wings of eagles, and they will soar. That makes sense to me. That's not what it does. It goes the other way. So I start to think, why? Well, why would you write it that way? Why would God give us the truth that way around? Why is it? Because the last line in Hebrew poetry is, is where, where we're heading. So why? I want to say they'll walk and not faint, right? So walk, run, fly. Like the basic order of all superhero babies. All right? The idea is, is this, and I've, I've, I've done a little bit of study, so it's not all coming from me, but I'm glad to say that most of the scholars I've read kind of agree with what I'm saying. It's good. So we start with soaring like eagles, and, and the idea of that is it's what we might call a spiritual high. All right? So you know when you get lost in worship, where it's just you and God, right? We, we've all been there. Um, I won't sing. <laughs> I exalt you. Um, and it's, you're, just, you're just plugged into God and you're, you're loving it and you're like, he's speaking to you and, and it's, oh, it's good. Or maybe you're studying the Bible yourself and, and the, the truths of the scripture, you can feel them, like actually feel them changing you, changing your worldview, changing your life. This is doing me good. It's like a high. It's like, whoa, I'm soaring. Or, or maybe, maybe you're sitting in a, um, in a church service or a camp and the speaker's speaking and it's like, man, they just know your life. They're speaking directly to you. They're telling you everything that happened to you last week and what the answers are, and you're like, man, God, God's talking to me, <laughs> right? That's the eagle's wings, right? That's the soaring, right? That's where we're like, Whoa, how good's that? That's not every day, all right? And that's, that's not a bad thing, but it's just not every day. The second thing, this is like a three-point sermon in the middle of the sermon. Meg asked me, are you doing a three-point sermon? I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> God. Okay, so running. So with the running part of it, I want to refer to one of my heroes, and his name's Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, who's a, he's called the Prince of Preachers. Anyway, he's a superstar. Read some Spurgeon. Um, and what he says about this passage, and his, his description um, is, is kind of showing that the running is doing the hard yards of ministry, of serving. So I want to read what he wrote because – he speaks better than me. Um, so this is what he says. Then comes running. When I think of running, I think of the prophet Jeremiah. All of us like to have heroes. These heroes are people who have walked the way we are walking before us and have done what we consider a magnificent job of it. And I suppose prophets are no different in having heroes. Well, Jeremiah seems to have had a hero as well, and his hero was the former prophet Elijah. 
I suppose Jeremiah, when he was younger, had loved to hear tales of Elijah. How Jeremiah's heart must have soared when he heard the story of how Elijah had stood up for God against the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the wickedness of Asherah and how fire had come down from heaven and burned up Elijah's sacrifice and to top it off, how Elijah had run like the wind before the chariot of Ahab, outdistancing it in their run back to Samaria before the, Lord, the storm in a wonderful display of power of the Lord. Yet now Jeremiah was not thinking of his hero, Elijah. His heart was heavy. As we read in Jeremiah 12, where he says to the Lord, Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. Jeremiah was unhappy because it seemed to him that the wicked were rich and happy and healthy, whereas he was poor and lonely and mistreated. And he had served God with his whole heart. How could God let this be? But God answers him, If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And God seems to be telling him, If you can't even run with these little petty dictators of wickedness, how could you ever contend with a wicked king like Ahab as Elijah did? He wanted Jeremiah to run. And that is how we run as well. In our witness for God, before our friends, our co-workers, our world that does not know God, our running is our witness for God before the unbelievers, not just facing the wicked, however, but speaking to them in the way of salvation. This is hard to do. Much harder than mounting high like an eagle, running hard in the face of opposition, never ceasing to tell the story of salvation to the lost, never ceasing to stand up in the face of wickedness and declare this is wrong, that is running. How good Spurgeon. <laughs> See, to me, yeah, and he, he really equates that to evangelism, but I'll equate it also to the, the hard yards of serving. And for me, a lot of what we would do at camp is that's a, like a running time. There won't be a lot of soaring time. There'll be some. But running is where we do the hard yards of the serving and, and you've got to be prepared to work. It's like the rolling up your sleeves thing, right? And we are all called to do it. In fact, we're all created to do it. So whether we're serving a camp, whether we're serving witnessing to our co-workers, whether we're serving worship leading, we're called to do that at full pace, like with all our might. Okay, so we've soared like an eagle and we've run and not grown weary. So why, oh why, <laughs> is the conclusion of this poem, and you will walk and not faint. And for me, this is the true beauty of the passage. This is like the punch in the guts, truth of Scripture. Because sometimes, more often than we probably care to admit, it's really hard just to put one foot in front of the other. Like spiritually, physically, sometimes it's hard to get out of bed for some people, right? But spiritually, sometimes we're all like at that point. Like, let's be honest, we're all at that point where we go, <laughs> I, just, I just can't. I just can't. Like when you get to the camp <laughs> and you've done all that stuff beforehand, even a crotty wedding, wow, <laughs> that's a big deal, right? And you arrive at camp with nothing. So you weren't ready to soar. You weren't ready to run. You just needed to walk. And the reality for all of us is that's kind of life, guys, that every day is not going to be a spiritual high. And every day may not be a magnificent serving opportunity 
where we really kick some goals for God. But regardless of that, every day we have to walk. We have to walk. All right? There is no stopping. Stopping is going backwards. So even if it's just a little shuffle <laughs> with a Zimmer frame, <laughs> we're going to keep walking. All right. So what I've got is like a, a source for this, which is in this passage. All right. So I'm going to read that again. So things happen. Things happen at camp. Things happen in life where we need, we need God. Okay. So let me just read again from verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. How, how good is that passage? I can still hear Phil Driscoll's. He gives power to the faint. <laughs> Who is the supply of the strength we need? It is the Lord. It says the everlasting God. In my mind, I think of like the everlasting battery, but he outlasts that by eternity. <laughs> and he's the creator of all things. Like he made you. Okay. And not only that, he knows exactly what you're going through. Exactly. Right? It says his knowledge is unsearchable. Right. So, so he's the everlasting strength. He made you and he knows all about you. Where else would you go? Really? Where else would you go? So I want to talk to you about an equation. So this is our equation, right? So I've got, I've got a problem over here, tiredness, weariness, weakness, and I've got a promise over here, soaring or running or just walking. And I've got a source up here, right, strength and knowledge, so how do I join all three together? How do I get this, this problem connected to that source to get that promise? It's not a trick question. <laughs> the answer is in the passage, and the method is, the method of this equation is wait. It says those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of like, it's not correction, but just gentle guidance here because in the past there's been a little bit of misunderstanding about this word and what it means in this context. And when it comes to interpreting scripture, context is king. All right? So if we purely understand this in the sense of the, of the English translation of the word wait, we could be led to believe that it's only after an extended period of worship and prayer and spending time with the Lord that he then renews our strength. Couple of problems, all right? And let's let's interpret scripture. There's a rule that says let scripture interpret scripture. And if we do that, then we look at the whole of scripture, the balance of the scriptures suggests or never suggests that there's any works that we can do which cause God to bless us. Ever. All right. So it's not based on what we do. We're not twisting his arm to get his strength. Okay? It's a gift. But the second part of this is, is the understanding of what this word is translated as. So the Hebrew word here, wait, has the understanding of hoping or anticipating. In a New Testament sense, it would be like the hope we have in Christ and that he will return. Right? We cling to that hope. Right? We cling to it. It's the foundation for all that we do. I'm not saying 
there is no value in times of waiting upon the Lord and worshipping. In fact, there's great value in it. But in the context of this passage, let's get what he's saying. And what he's saying is what your need is, well, God knows that, but what your need is comes from him. So how do I wait upon the Lord and get that when I'm in a really, really busy season? Like if I'm running around at camp and there's just no time, then in that very small moment when I need it, that maybe it's a still small voice. Maybe it's, it's Matt or Tanya coming up and saying, hey, maybe it's Peter saying, trust. We're going to trust. And you think, oh, <laughs> he's right. And I'll plug my battery back in. And for that moment when I need to run or I get to soar or I just need to walk, I'm reminded of where it comes from. And the equation is complete. I got from my weariness to the source, to the reward, because I wait upon him. What a cool equation is that? I could be a math teacher. (laughs) Hear his voice today. I am your strength. And cling to that truth. And it may be for some of us that the reality is you need that today just to walk. And there's no shame in that. In fact, that's all of us. For some of us, it's time to run and serve hard. For some of us, you get to soar. But either way, it all comes from him. Either way. I want to encourage you, if you're going on camp, let's lock these words away in our heart. Let's take that now, put it in there, and hold on to it. But for all of us, the truth is, yeah, it's tiring. It's the end of the year and we're just about into a new one. And for some of us, we're saying, oh, oh God, please, not another one like last year. (laughs) But the reality is, for some of us, it could be a rough year. Things will happen. Life will hit you in the face. For some of us, it's going to be a magnificent year of soaring and people are going to be going, man, that guy's wasn't a high. (laughs) For some of us, it's going to be a a time of of running and serving where it's, it's going to need to be this lease rolled up. But for all of us, for all of us, we all have to go to the source. We all do. How amazing is it that he knows exactly where we are and what we need? He knows everything. So I want to leave you with this understanding. A lot of times I think what I do in life is I go into a, like I even do do it at camp. If you've done something by routine, you do it by routine. And so there's that sort of, it's not so much doing it in your own strength, I guess it is really, but it's kind of that habit-forming thing of just doing, just doing, just doing. And in the middle of that, forgetting where the strength comes from. One of the things that I love about camp is that it puts you to the point where you can't. You just can't. All right? and, I, and I believe that is kind of the essence of why, one of the, one of the essence of why God wants us to serve in various capacities because you need to be somewhere where your faith gets stretched. What's the point? It's like going to gym, which I haven't done for many years, as you can tell. <laughs> your muscles don't grow unless you do something about it. And it's the same with your faith. Right, You need to put yourself somewhere where you have to trust in him. And that's why this passage is great, because it's saying those times when you're going to be sore and like an eagle, awesome. Those times when you have to serve, awesome. Those times when you're just struggling to walk, awesome, because I'm here for all of them. I am here for you for all of them. So why don't we go to him now in prayer? Father, I thank you that your knowledge is unsearchable. 
that for each and every one of us, you know exactly where we are right now. You know of our hopes and our dreams. You know of our fears. You know of our pain. And so right now, in faith, Lord, we wait upon you. We wait upon you, Lord, because we have a sure and certain hope in you. And we ask you to meet us where we're at. We thank you for those times when we soar like an eagle and we see your glory and you bless us so much. We thank you for those times when you give us opportunity to serve and we want to do that with all of our might. We want to roll up our sleeves and really, really kick some goals for you, Lord Jesus. And we also thank you for those times when just doing life is tough. And we thank you that you meet us in those times. And you are our strength and our source and our supply. And we trust in you. So help us all, I pray, to remember these truths today and in this year ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church. 